Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We here love to hear how Velocity is making a difference in people's lives in our church. So if Velocity's made an impact on your life, please let us know. You can write us at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's message. And I'm so pumped for today because we are beginning a brand new series of messages. And I know some of you are you're trying to figure this out. You're like, what, what is this? Subscription, RX, they've got pill bottles out there. I've wondered if this was a cult for a while giving out drugs. Uh, it is the subscription prescription. That's what we're calling this series. And I'm just curious, how many of you would be honest in church? How many would say, I've got some issues? I've got issues. Anybody? The rest of you are liars. I've got issues. And uh, how many of you would take it one step further and say, I don't just have issues. I've got an entire subscription. I've got issues that just, they keep showing up. Anybody like that? Well, you are in for a treat because over the course of the next three weeks, uh, what we are going to do is look at God's prescription for your problems. And I promise that if you take this series to heart, this is going to change your life. It absolutely is. I've, I've been looking forward to this series for a while. I've had this idea for a while, and we're... We, we subtitle this series, The Remedy for All of Your Issues, The Remedy. And it, it might sound like uh, spiritual malpractice, in a sense, to, to think that I could give you one thing that would change your life, that all of your issues could be changed just through this one thing. But uh, I, I want to tell you that this treatment, uh, th- th- this, this isn't like something where you need the standard disclaimer, like, you know, consult your physician before beginning. Now, what, what this is, what I'm going to give you isn't something out of a, the Bible. Isn't something out of the bottle. It's out of the Bible. I almost misspoke. It is out of the Bible. It, it's not a pill. It's a gospel. How about that? You know? So, um, so anyways, we're, we're going to have some fun today. And the Bible says, a merry heart does good like a medicine. So I want to get into this. And uh, Solomon who was considered the wisest man who ever lived, he said this in Proverbs 4.23, Above all, be careful what you think, because your thoughts control your life. Now, maybe, maybe you've heard that before. Maybe that sounds familiar to you. Or, or, or maybe you're like, okay, it sounds familiar, but I've never quite heard it put that way. You might be like me. I grew up in church, and I learned this verse in the King James Version. King James Version says it a little bit differently. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Say issues. In other words, all the issues that you deal with, it comes from one place. And if you want this sermon, this series, uh, in a sentence, you want this series in a tweet, it's this, that before we can deal with the symptoms out here, we've got to deal with the issues in here. That's it in a nutshell. Now, now it may seem kind of confusing because one translation says mind and, and one translation says heart, and we usually don't think of those two things as being the same thing. We think, you know, we, we think with our brain and we, we feel with our heart. But you've got to understand, like, uh, in ancient times, they believed that thoughts originated in the heart, not, not the organ, the heart, but at, at a person's core. And that makes sense. We can understand that, right? Like, you know, you may be nervous about a situation. You may think about those nervous thoughts, but you feel it where? You feel it in your core. You feel it in your gut. Uh, when you're in love with someone, you may think pleasant thoughts about them, but, but you feel it in your heart. It, essentially, what this is saying is that 
what's inside of you works its way out of you. What, what you think at your core is going to work its way out. And so to that end, we're going to be looking at this topic through the lens of a man named Moses. Now Moses was simultaneously one of the most conflicted individuals that ever lived and also one of the greatest leaders that God ever used. And what we're going to do today is really, I just want to give you an overview of the problem and the solution. You can just consider this your consultation visit today uh, of the treatment that's available to you. I'm not going to be prescribing anything yet, but we're just going to give you an overview of what this looks like. And you may be fam familiar with, sto with Moses' story. Uh, Moses' story began uh, in the most unlikely way. Uh, at the point where we're going to enter into his story, Moses, he, he's born into a situation where the Israelites, the, the Jews, they've been enslaved to the Egyptians for 320 years at this point. Uh, you may not know all the details about how that happened. In a nutshell, they had relocated there. Uh, one of their relatives, Joseph, who was in power, he was in government, they relocated there because of a famine. Uh, while they were there, generations passed. Pharaoh came up. They didn't know Joseph and didn't have that connection. And, and the real reason it happened is because the, the Jews, they never assimilated into Egyptian culture. They were always set apart. They, they, they always worshiped the God of the Bible, the, the, the God of their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't assimilate. And they didn't marry the Egyptian women. And so this Pharaoh rose into power and didn't like the fact that they were multiplying, they were going strong and thought, if we don't do something about this situation, uh, they're, they're going to rise up. They're going to overthrow us one day. So, so he put this plan in place. The Bible says he didn't remember Joseph to kill all of the Hebrew babies. He's going to throw all of the male babies, going to throw them into the Nile River. So at this particular point in history, things had gotten so bad that the relations between the Egyptians and the Jews, they were already enslaved, already subjugated, but now they were under attack. And Moses is born into this situation. And his story starts out in an unlikely place. He, he actually grew up in the home of the one who tried to kill him. See, when he was a baby, uh, his parents, in an effort to save his life, put him in a little basket and sent it down the Nile River. And then he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses, who's a Jew, is being brought up as an Egyptian to become the next Pharaoh. You want to talk about issues. His, his story is dysfunctional from the start. And so I want to, where I want to read from today is in Acts chapter 7. Uh, Acts 7, what we get is a retelling of Moses' story. It's the Wikipedia version of uh, Moses' life. And I want to start in 7 verse 20. We'll put the words on the screen for you. It says, at that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. And when they could no longer keep him hidden and had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter found him and adopted him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. And one day, as he was nearing his 40th birthday, I love how it just kind of like glosses over his life. By the time he was 40, like nothing significant happened until that point. It came into his mind to visit his brothers, the people of Israel. During this visit, he saw an Egyptian mistreating a man of Israel. So Moses killed the Egyptian. Moses supposed his brothers would realize that God had sent him to help them but they didn't. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you're brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, 
who made you ruler and judge over us? And one translation said, who do you think you are trying to tell us what to do? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian. Uh, I'm titling this message today, if you're taking notes, and if you're new, I want to encourage you to take notes. That way nobody's going to know that you're new because everybody takes notes here. I'm titling this message today, Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are? And I need you to help me preach this just a little bit. I need you to turn to the person that you're sitting next to and just, you know, shove them a little bit and say, who do you think you are? Like, who, who do you think you are? All right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask for God. Some of you are getting aggressive with that. I'm going to pray and ask for God's help and pray for you. And uh, we'll get into what God would say to us. God, we thank you so much for your word, for your truth, for this opportunity to come into your presence and learn uh, what you would say to us. God, I'm asking that you would speak this morning. Use me, speak through me. Let it be your words that go forth, not my words, not my ideas, not my opinions, God. We, we come to hear what you have to say. So Lord, I believe that you will. I thank you that you will. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you have ever said something that you wish you could take back? Anybody ever said you wish? Everybody. Yeah. Um, now, I, I want to tweak that a little bit. That's like the best response I've ever had on a question I've asked, by the way. <laughs> Usually, you're just staring at me with your arms crossed, but this is going to be a good message today. I can tell you're already responding. Uh, I, I want to tweak that a little because I'm not really talking about um, something you said in the heat of a moment. Uh, I, I'm not talking even about a promise you made that you couldn't keep. Uh, when, when I say that in my context, th those things are definitely true. Uh, I'm talking about things I've said to my kids. Because like you got to understand, like my kids, they ask me the craziest questions that they do. And I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm hesitant to answer them because I know that whatever I say to them is undoubtedly going to come out again and it'll inevitably come out of context. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm just in this phase of my life and it's like I don't even have to try anymore. Just like every week there is something hilarious and excruciating happening to me because of my kids. Parenting is great. It's called carry your cross. That's why I love Jesus. But they're saying something. And before I tell you what happened this week, I got to give you a little context on this because like, like there's, there's just all sorts of things. Like, like my middle son, Oliver, he's, he's into tornadoes. That's been his kick lately. And like, he's been asking me about tornadoes and like how they happen. And I've been explaining that to him, like, you know, when there's dark out and windy and rain, like that's what it's like when tornadoes happen. And, and then he got in this mind that whenever that happens, I mean, there's going to be a tornado. And then he's associated like tornadoes with destruction, destruction with death. And, and now he runs around our house whenever it's like dark, cloudy and stormy, we're going to die because there's a tornado, which isn't so bad in our house, but it's a bigger issue when he's like at school. And uh, even just death in and of itself, like there was this one time I went to a, I had to go to a funeral and he was like, where are you going? It's a funeral. And, and what's that? And I explained it to him and somebody died and why did they die? And I was like, well, the, you know, they were just older. And like, sometimes, you know, when you get older, like that happens, like your body just shuts down and systems don't work. And I probably didn't say it quite that way. I, th I think it just said like, you know, uh, when you get old, you die. And that freaked him out a little bit because he's like, I don't want to get old. And then he started like asking, uh, you know, my, my parents like, are, you know, is grandma and grandpa going to die? And, and if he just comes up to you and says, are you going to die? He's just trying to gauge your age a little bit <laughs> on there from where you're at, but just all sorts of things. But this past week I was taking uh, my youngest son, Grant, 
um, to pick out a birthday present. He had to go to a birthday party and we were taking pick out a birthday present. And, you know, I was letting him pick it out because it's for another five-year-old and we're going through the, the toy aisle. And he's picking out stuff and it's just not good things. And I'm just, no, he can't do that. That's not going to be good. And, and that's too expensive. And that's not, and he, he hones in on um, weapons, you know, guns and, and, and swords. And, and it's like, I want to get him this. And I said, no, you, you, you can't get him that. And, and he's like, why? And, you know, most parents would say because or, or because I said so. That's what every normal parent would say. I, on the other hand, said because some parents don't let their kids have fun. And I'm just not even going to tell you how that played out. But obviously, I need to be more careful about what I say. What's funny, though, is the Bible takes it one step further. The, the Bible says, don't just be careful what you say, but be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Be, because you, you see, it's, it's not just what we say, it's really the, the thoughts in our mind, the, our imagination. It's the birthing place for every good thing God wants to work in your life. And I uh, actually did a series on this a number of years ago. I, I did a series called Dream Bigger, Start Smaller. It was a number of years ago, Taylor, that I talked about this, this a number of years ago. And I, uh, I talked about thoughts, words, and habits. Thoughts, words, and habits. I said, it starts small. My wife actually told me it was her favorite series that I've ever done. I don't think you can get it anymore. You gotta like find the bootleg version somewhere. But, but thoughts, words, and habits, it starts small. But, but why is it important? Because your thoughts influence your words, your words influence your your habits, your habits become your destiny. Well, what I want to do over the course of this series is just talk about our thoughts for a minute. And the first thing I want to tell you about this, if you're taking notes, is that your thoughts determine your direction. Your thoughts determine your direction. It might seem like an overly simple concept to you, but the reality is your life is going to go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You want something that rhymes? Your life flows where your thoughts go, okay? Your, your, your life is gonna go where your thoughts flow, however you wanna put it. Your life always moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And we see this very simply and precisely with Moses. I wanna show it to you, I'll just point it out. It says, one day as he was nearing his 40th birthday, it came into his mind to visit his brothers the people of Israel. During this visit, he saw an Egyptian mistreating the man of Israel. So Moses killed the Egyptian because Moses, he supposed that his brothers would realize that God sent him to help them, but they didn't. He, he killed this man. The, the, Egyptian, the, the fellow Israel said, what, are you, are you thinking about killing me just like you thought about killing him? So, so question, why did he visit his fellow Israelites? Came into his mind. Why did he kill this Egyptian? Because he thought, he, he supposed that, that they would understand. Now, I'm not even going to talk about the, the basis of his decision. I mean, it was the wrong thing. That wasn't God's plan. And God had called him absolutely to be the deliverer of his people. It's the right, right idea, wrong way of doing it. Right, right, right thing, wrong, wrong way, wrong time. You know, you can, you can do the right thing, but you can do it the wrong way and the wrong time, and it turns into a bad thing. And, and so he, he steps out, he does, because he thought about it. It came into his mind. He, he thought they'd understand. He, he thought this is what is supposed to happen. And 
you know, the scripture I read to you at the beginning, it said, be careful how you think. Another translation says, guard your thoughts, guard your mind. Guard just simply means to watch over in order to control or protect. I'm curious, have you ever thought about what you think about? Have you ever stopped to think about what you think about? And because I want this series of messages to be so insanely practical in your life, I want us to do that right now. Just take out a pen and paper. You can take, do this on your phone. I want us to just take an inventory for a minute of our thoughts, our, our thoughts, to just stop and think right here during this message what we think about. So uh, to, to help you with this, I just want you to take last week, for example. Think about last week. And I'm going to give you a few categories and we're just going to rate it on a scale of one to 10. I'm going to give you three categories. First category I'm going to ask you is just last week, just thinking about last week, the thoughts that came into your mind, were your thoughts more worried or more peaceful? Worried being a one, peaceful being a 10. Were they more worried or more peaceful? Were you worried about your kids, how they're doing in school, how they're doing in life, the decisions that they're making? Were you worried about your future, your, your career? Are you worried about your job? situation? Are there thoughts more worried or more peaceful? Are you worried about money, finances, bills? Uh, are you, were your thoughts last week more worried or more peaceful? Scale of one to ten. Peaceful, were they more, meaning not that everything that happened in your life was good, but, but you're secure. You, you know that even though something might not have happened that turned out the way you wanted, you're not freaked out by it. Are your thoughts more worried or more peaceful on a scale of one to ten? All right, next one I'll give you. This last week, were your thoughts more, more negative or more positive? Negative being one, positive being 10. Were your thoughts more negative or more, more positive? Like, like when something didn't go right, what, were you discontent? Like, man, just, like, just life isn't going the, the way I want. Why does this happen to me? You know, you're frustrated or maybe you're frustrated with an individual and, and you're just like, it's so irritating. Or, or, or were they more positive? Meaning that even though maybe things didn't go out the way they went, you like, you know that, that God is working out his plan for your life. Like, like even though something may have not happened like you want, like you can see God's hand at work. Or, or maybe somebody, uh, you know, is frustrating to you, but you're, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, are your thoughts last week, or are they more, more negative or more positive? Scale of one to ten. Last one I'm, I'm going to give you. Is, were your thoughts more worldly or more eternal? More worldly or Eternal. So worldly being one, eternal being 10. It just worldly. This doesn't mean you were thinking bad things. I just mean more concerned, more focused on the things of this world, more, more focused on your house or your career or more focused on, on your bank account or more focused on the goals. Maybe it's a physical goal. Maybe, you know, working out. Not a bad thing, just more focused on, on worldly things, what people think about me and, and, and how, how, you know, how am I doing in this area? Or like, Eternal things, you know, how, how can I leverage what I have for the kingdom of God? How, how can I uh, be influencing the people in my life that are far from God? How can I make an eternal difference? How can God use me to advance his kingdom, his purpose? Well, were your thoughts, scale of one to 10, more worldly or more eternal? Now, as you're looking, how many of you, have, how many, you wrote that down, how many of you discovered that you have the spiritual gift of negativity? Anybody? Yeah, my people, right? I understand, I feel you on that. Uh, here, here's what, like, it's just so easy sometimes to let our thoughts drift towards the negative. And can I just tell you, 
that if you did not write down a 10, 10, and a 10, this series is for you. (laughs) Why? Because our thoughts determine our direction. And if your thoughts are more worried, are more negative, are more worldly, that means your life is moving that direction. If your thoughts are, 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 more, are more peaceful, more positive, more eternal, that means your life is moving that direction. And it's so important that we think about what we're thinking about. It's just too easy where culture pulls us towards the negative. Worry about me. You know, be freaked out about me. Be negative about me. Be focused on worldly things. But, but our thoughts determine our direction. And, and that's one of the reasons I believe we can learn something from Moses. Because the other thing I want to tell you about your thoughts is that you can let your thoughts lead you into doubt or you can let them lead you into destiny. Lead you into doubt or they can lead you into destiny. See, see this idea of guarding your thoughts, it's fascinating to me. Because the fact that God tells us to guard our thoughts, to to guard our mind, to guard our heart, to to guard what comes in, it tells us that they're at risk. It it tells us that they're vulnerable. But know the other thing about guarding? It tells us that our thoughts aren't just vulnerable, but they're also valuable. You don't guard something that's not valuable. When you guard something, that means it has the potential to be of great use to you. There's a lot of value to you. And that's because your thoughts, they can either lead you to doubt or they can lead you to destiny. See, Moses was destined to lead the Israelites, to lead the Jews out of this oppression. That's what scripture said. He was no ordinary child. Remember how we read that? From a young age, he was called, he was destined to be their deliverer. But it was the wrong time. And what you might not know about this is that God actually prophesied that his people, the Israelites, that they would be in bondage for 400 years. And so at this point in Moses' life, it's 360 years in this time. It's the wrong time. And even, even though he was called, even though it's the right thought to deliver his people, the wrong time, definitely the wrong way. And this one decision, this one act causes him to go on the run we don't hear from Moses for another 40 years. It's, he's 80 years old before we catch up with his life. And when we do, he's the shadow of his former self. Because you gotta understand, Moses at 40 years old, being groomed to become the next Pharaoh, this guy was a military genius, great leader. Scripture says he was mighty in words and in deeds. He could speak and he could back it up. And when we catch up with him, and we'll talk about this more next week, God appears to him in the form of a burning bush. What's he say? God, send somebody else. I'm not good at that. In fact, I don't, I can't speak. I'm slow of speech. He's beginning to doubt himself, even beginning to doubt his former accomplishments. One minute he's so sure of himself and his calling that he acts brashly, thinking that it's the right time to seize his destiny. The next minute he's on the run, even doubts his past accomplishments. And that's because you can let your thoughts lead you into doubt or you can let them lead you into destiny. Think about about stress, for example. Your mind, your thoughts can lead you to doubt. Like with stress, it's really not all the things on your plate that you have to do. It's how you think 
about all these things on your plate that you have to do. You, you can either use your mind to get organized, get efficient, get creative, come up with a plan to, to work effectively and efficiently, or you can use your mind to worry and meditate on all these things and stress out and make yourself sick. It, your, your mind, your thoughts can lead you to doubt or to destiny. Because just like your mind is the place where all the miracles that God wants to work in your life will begin, it's also the place where the miracles that God wants to work in your life will die. It can lead you to doubt or to destiny. It's really about what thoughts are you holding on to? What thoughts are you holding on to? You know, one of the words we use when we're talking about our mind is our memory. And it got me thinking about this one time when Marissa's phone wasn't taking any pictures. Like her phone, she's saying, what's wrong with my phone? My phone is having issues. Anybody else's phone have issues? I'm talking about, well, that's what she was saying. And, and, you know, I guess it was. I mean, she's never deleted a photo in her entire adult life. She keeps emails on her phone like they're an epistle written on the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, she, I guess her phone was having issues. Why? Because it was so full of what had happened. Maybe you're wondering about all these issues and why am I having so many issues? Maybe it's because you're so full of what had happened. Maybe it's about what you're holding on to. Maybe there's some stuff you need to delete. See, the thing is, you can't control every thought that you have, but you can control the thoughts that you keep. And that's why what I want to tell you, this is my final point, is to let your deliverance define you, not your dysfunction. Let your deliverance define you, not your dysfunction. In other words, there's a lot of things that happen to us, a lot of things that come into our lives that shape the way we think, that shape the way we feel about ourselves, that, that shape how we see life. I'm such a worrier. I've always been worried. I'm so insecure. I always get nervous in these situations. I, I, I always have felt this way. You know, I'm just an alcoholic. That's, that's who I am. Can I just tell you, we all have issues and dysfunctions that are the result of our past, and it makes it easy to think that we'll always be this way because of them. But I want to tell you, don't let your dysfunctions define you. Let the deliverance that has come, let the deliverance that by faith will come, let that define you. And I get this from Moses. If you want to dive into Moses' story in a little more detail, you can read about it in Exodus chapter 2. But in verse 10, we just get a little more detail on, on how he came into uh, the house of the Pharaoh. It says, the boy grew, and when the time was right, the woman, this is actually his mom, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she adopted him as her own son. She named him Moses because, as she explained, I took him out of the water. Now, you know, we can romanticize Moses' story all we want, but the truth is, this would have been brutal to go through. His story would have been brutal. Like, think about this. Imagine a scenario where the safest thing you can do with your child is to put him into the Nile River. Like, that's the safest thing. Uh, okay? He's safer with the threat of the Nile than he is with the threat of the guards coming. 
That, that means you don't know, like, if the Egyptian guards are going to find him in the Nile. You don't know if, like, there's going to be a crocodile or a hippo that's going to eat him. You, you don't know if this makeshift boat that you've made is going to tip over on its own and he's going to drown. That's the safest thing, for him to be in the Nile River. I mean, you want to talk about an upbringing. That, that's just how his life starts. Think about, think about what it was like growing up. Like, he, he grew up in the house of a pharaoh. Exodus chapter 2 gives us a little more detail. As he, was, as he was in the Nile, it says that his sister is watching from a distance. And she spotted when Pharaoh's daughter took him. And she says, hey, look, I know like, this isn't really your thing. Do you want me to like, find you know, somebody to nurse him for you? And you know, she was like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, like, that's not my thing, of course. So what do you think she does? She goes and finds his mom, his actual mom, <laughs> to nurse him. And it says that Pharaoh's daughter said, I want you to take him and raise him till he's past the age of nursing. Now, like in our context, that might be one or two Bible times, might be, you know, four or five. I actually read one commentary that said up to the age of 12, at which point I threw up in my mouth. And I mean, that's even long for Lawrence standards, let's be honest. But I just imagine like braces, like just not a good, I'm just, you know, just forget I said that. But and what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that what I'm trying to say is they're like never going to remember anything else I say after that. Uh, for however many years is what I'm saying, he, he lived with his mom. But I want you to think about the dysfunction. Knowing all the time that Pharaoh's daughter is fake mom and that real mom he has to call babysitter. He, he's grown up with, with, you know, to however long, at the age of 13. He's grown up with real mom calling her babysitter. Fake mom he has to call her real mom. That, and that's just moms. Forget the fact that Grandpa Pharaoh, Grandpa Pharaoh is the one that tried to kill him and actually did succeed in killing his cousins, maybe any brothers that he had. He, you, you've ever felt like you've been alone? He has no male relatives his age. Talk about feeling abandoned, feeling isolated. It sounds like an expensive therapy bill to me. I'm just saying, you think you've had a rough past, you think you've got issues, you think your family's dysfunctional. His issues were worse. But, but here's what's interesting to me, is that where did his name come from? His name came from being pulled out of the water. What's so fascinating about Bible names is that Kids were always named in terms of what they were born into. You know, all throughout the Bible, somebody had a baby, oh, this child is a gift from God, I'm gonna name him gift. This child brought me so much joy, I'm gonna name him joy. Oh, this is going through a rough time, I'm gonna name this child, you know, rough time. All the, all the time, that's what happens in the Bible. And we never, we don't even know Moses' original name. He was with them for three months. We don't find out his name from that. Well, I wonder what his name would have been. Death, dysfunction, lost cause, hopeless, lonely. I mean, you pick one. But yet, his name doesn't come from the dysfunction he was born into. His name comes from what he was pulled out of. The greatest leaders one the, the world has ever known, comes from the fact that he was pulled out of hard circumstances. 
challenge. And here's the thing, you, there are two ways you can live. You can live your life with a mindset. Why did I get put into the water? God, God, why did I have to go through this situation? I didn't ask to be brought up in this. I didn't ask to go through divorce. I didn't ask to come grow up in a drug-ridden home. I didn't ask to be put in a situation where I was abused till I, was, till I got out of the house. I didn't ask, God, why was I put into the water? Or you can live your life by the fact that you've been pulled out of the water. See, that's what scripture says. Moses was drawn out, but you've been called out. It says, you who were once in darkness have been called out of that and brought into his marvelous light. See, you, you've been called out of that. And I know there's been some dark things that you've gone through, but, but the truth is you can live your life dwelling on the fact that maybe somebody didn't care about you or focus on the fact how much God did, that he sent his son Jesus just so he could be in relationship. Somebody else may not have wanted you, but Jesus does. And that's what it means to be born again. We're given a new name. We're made new in Christ. So that's how I want to close. The, the truth is, every person has a problem, but the good news is for every problem, God has a prescription. And you don't have to let the dysfunction you've gone through define you. You can be defined by the deliverance that's available to you.